Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. This morning, we're talking about relationships. And if you're just joining us, I want to encourage you to go to hillcountry.life and watch some of the past messages. Because we've been looking at the scientific, medical, and biblical evidence supporting what are called near-death experiences, or NDEs. Over the past 30 years, there's been a lot of research surrounding people who have clinically died, but then were resuscitated. And they've come back talking about a life to come, a life beyond this life. And in this series, we're talking about whether these experiences are credible and whether or not they're biblical. Like, do they line up with what God says about the afterlife in the Bible? A man by the name of John Burke wrote a New York Times bestseller called Imagine Heaven. And he has researched thousands of these near-death experiences and then compared them to what we see in the Bible. And remarkably, in almost every case, they line up perfectly with what God has been telling us all along. So that's what we've been doing in this series, comparing what these people come back reporting with what is written in the Bible. Now today, we're going to talk specifically about what these people say about relationships, both in this life and the life to come. You know, we have all kinds of questions about relationships, right? Relationships in the life to come and also relationships here on earth and what they're all about. You know, one of the questions may be, why are are some children born with health issues and die at an early age? Like, why would a kid have to struggle physically and be so held back his whole life and then his relational world be torn from him at three years of age, eight, 18 I mean, why would a loving family be ripped apart so quickly? Why? I mean, how can any of this make sense? Unless, unless, like the Bible says, this life is not the end. It's the beginning. And as we talked about last week, there is justice and fairness coming in heaven. So I want to talk this week about how relationships continue on and how we can start to bring more of heaven to earth today. Because that was Jesus's prayer for us. You know, what if the life to come starts to make sense of all that we experience in this life? And what if, like so many say, it's so much better, so awesome that even a child doesn't want to come back? Megan Hagens had a near-death experience at six years old, and watch what she has to say. I had my near-death experience when I was six years old. I was in first grade, and um, I was asleep I had sleep apnea my whole life and I hadn't realized. I had uh, two angels come and get me and take me to heaven and they were showing me around heaven. There was a section where Jesus, the, the, the angels told me Jesus wanted me to see something. They said we had some time and we could do anything I wanted to, and I wanted to play the game Candyland. So they materialized it and they said, teach us. And as I was teaching them, they 
were just so full of joy and mirth at, at, at the experience of playing this game with me and my explanation of the rules. And they would throw their heads back laughing and say, how could anyone not want to play this game? It's great. And I, the feeling that was conveyed to me was the great um, joy of spending time with me and being present with me and making me feel valued for what I brought to them. That is really something that's so important to, to be present and to not be elsewhere, to be present with the people that you love and spend time with them. It's, a, it's the best gift you can give people, especially kids, because they, they, they get a lot of, I think, their self-worth from understanding that. And then after that, they said we had to, I had to go back. And I didn't know what they meant, you know, you have to go back. And I said, I don't want to go back. And uh, they did this kind of thing where they waved their hand and um, I could see my school from above. And they said, if you don't go back, your teachers and your friends are going to miss you. They're going to be worried. And I said, no, nah. I'm sorry, I still don't want to go back. They said they'd, that I didn't have to worry. They would always be with me. And that I, if I ever needed them, I would have the comfort of knowing that they were there. And the next thing I knew, I was in the corner of the kitchen, my home kitchen, up at the ceiling and looking down and my mother had just come into the kitchen and the angels were saying to me, if, if you don't go back, your mom is gonna be terribly worried and sad. And I said, okay. <laughs> so and then I um, was back. <laughs> Only mom could bring her back. Imagine a place so great, not even a kid wants to come back. You know, Jesus said that children have a special place in heaven. In Matthew 19, 14, Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. I mean, could it really be that relationships are finally made right and whole and perfect in a place so great that even kids who are full of life don't want to come back? Now, that's what I want to talk about today. Near-death experiencers all across the globe say that when they died, they had this great reunion. But that's what the Bible has told us all along. In the Old Testament, when someone died, the Bible says he or she was gathered to his people. That doesn't mean just buried in an ancestral grave because many of them weren't. It means relationships were meant to last. Jesus said this to his best friends on his last night here on earth. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Jesus told us that heaven is relational, that people know and love each other there, that life goes on. It's like one big loving family of God. And you know, near-death experiencers say they had a welcoming committee, friends, relatives, loved ones who had invested in their lives. 
And they say that they were there to welcome them, but also to protect them and guide them on their journey forward. But Jesus also talked about this in Luke 16, 9. He said, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now watch how people describe this great reunion by their welcoming committee. My family appeared. One of them put their hand out and I knew it was my grandmother. And when I looked up, there's my family. Everybody that had been related to me, a part of my family, came to greet me in. My grandmother Mary was out front. She was bright, you know, she had a big smile and pure joy. I was immediately greeted by a group of people, spirits, beings. They were absolutely exploding with a pure love. And I could be with them and I knew without any doubt that I had known them and loved them as long as I've existed. 57.3% of those having near-death experience describe meeting other beings. When a deceased loved one is encountered during a near-death experience, they may be around the age they died, or interestingly, they may appear decades younger. I'm surrounded by people that I had known and loved in life, and they were all perfect in every way, fully recognizable as themselves. Pero me fijé, cuando miré para derechito, miré a mi mamá. I'm looking at this man who I recognize by my heart, but I knew that that was Paul. He's my great-grandfather. Now, Paul was standing next to Ma. I knew her as an old woman when I was a kid. When she was in heaven, she looked to be in her 30s. This was my family. On this right side of me were all these animals coming in. You'll be surprised when you get there and your pet's there to greet you in. You know, it's kind of funny because people ask me more about whether their pets are going to be there in heaven than their family members, which I'm not sure what that means. You know, if they ask whether or not their cats are going to be there, it's hard to say. But yes, I believe your beloved pets will be there. Now, we don't know definitively whether they have souls like humans, but God can certainly recreate your favorite pet if he wanted to. You know, Isaiah in Isaiah eleven six, speaking about heaven, says this, the wolf will lie down with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. Heaven is a place where all of God's creatures live in shalom, God's perfect peace. Everybody gets along. Republicans and Democrats get along in heaven. I mean, you talk about a miracle? I mean, it's an amazing, amazing place. So why wouldn't your beloved pets be there as well? And people do report seeing them, mostly children. Children who have near-death experiences are often welcomed by their pets. And maybe that's because no one they know has died yet. And God knows who will make us feel the warmest as we are welcomed in. But I find so many people who, when they think about heaven, you know, they think we're all going to be kind of a ethereal, ghostly, Patrick Swayze, misty kinds of figures up there. No, not at all. See, that feels less real, less tangible. Jesus said nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, Jesus said this in Luke 13, 29. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. There's going to be a feast. 
Remember, after Jesus rose from the dead, he could be touched, embraced, he ate fish. And in fact, on his last night on earth, when he instructed his disciples and instituted what we now call communion, look at what else the Bible says here. This is amazing. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink for it, from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. And then look at what he says here. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Eating, drinking, feasting, it just seems like normal life, doesn't it? Exactly. It's not eternal death, it's eternal life. Listen, all the things you love about life, this life that God created, they're gonna be in heaven. And yeah, sure, we can abuse them here on earth, we can overindulge in wine and food, or we can use people instead of loving and treasuring people. But everything you love about this life that God created, and everything good we were meant to experience properly in relationships together, it'll be there in perfect form in heaven. And it's all real. Hugs are real. Memories are real memories there. People we invested in here are the people we will value the most and see the most there. And this is important because life is continuous. This life carries on into the next life. See, people matter. And how you love and invest in people here goes on with you into the next life. You know, Don Piper was driving on a bridge on a rainy day in North Houston when an 18-wheeler went out of control and ran over the top of his car. The truck completely crushed his car, killing him instantly. EMS arrived on the scene and pronounced him dead. It took them 90 minutes to cut his body out of the wreckage. And yet Don revived. And when he came back, he talked about this great reunion. Check this out. I took my last breath on the bridge and I was, uh, my next breath was at one of the 12 gates of heaven. I mean, there are 12 gates. I was at one of them, four on each side of the city. And it, I didn't go down a long tunnel. There wasn't a bright light at the end of the tunnel. I didn't have a near, de near death experience, really. If you're dead an hour and a half, you're not nearly dead. I was dead. <laughs> and um, so I'm in this light um, and I could make out in front of me a whole crew of people, a, a, a welcoming committee, if you will. I'm surrounded by people that I had known and loved in life. And everybody looked really good. I mean, if you want to really look good, heaven is where you want to be. And they were all perfect in every way, fully recognizable as themselves, but perfect. Because many of them in earth had been very infirm. They'd been quite old. Uh, they were actually missing things here. Uh, and they were back there. I mean, my grandfather is extending his hands to me and saying, welcome home, Donnie, in a language I've never heard before, but fully understood. And I looked down and three fingers were missing on this hand. When he was alive, he was a lumberjack in his younger days. Very, very dangerous job. So he lost actually digits. Mm -hmm. Well, when I was a little kid, I was completely fascinated by that because he had this little stub sticking up. But now I'm seeing real fingers there. I've never seen them before. My great grandmother was standing beside him. She didn't have any teeth here on earth. But now she smiled at me, and, and, and it was a real smile. I, 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 didn't I didn't sense at all that we were spirits or intangible. I, I, I really felt that. In fact, my grandfather embraced me 
and, and as he said those words, welcome home, Donnie, which was his name for me here on earth, Donnie. And, and the other people did as well. Um, I, I felt pats on the back. It was embracing. It was, uh, it was pure love. But it was overwhelming, uh, frankly. It was just deliriously wonderful. Some of these people I hadn't seen for 20 years or more. Uh, some of them had died subsequent to that, maybe only a few years prior to my death on the bridge. So um, there was no sense of age about them. There was no sense of infirmity about them. Uh, as I said, they were expecting me. It was a great reunion. I think heaven is a great reunion. I, as I saw all these people, whether they were teachers or aunts or uncles, or even my next door neighbor, Miss Norris, was standing over here. And I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, okay, this is awesome. It's wonderful. It's go, so great to see them and to see them so perfect. So I asked myself, why did this particular group come? Because they didn't even know each other on earth. And, and, and the reason I believe is because they helped me get there. These are the people who prior to their death influenced me for Christ. Mike would take me physically to, to, to Sunday school because he'd been a Christian since he was like nine or 10 years old. So Miss Norris would come by and put me in that car with all those kids and take me to Summer Grove Church. So these are the people who helped me come to Christ, to come to know Christ. So I came back from that encounter with all those wonderful people with the question, if we greet people at the gates of heaven that we help get there, and I believe we will, who are we going to greet? I think that's the reason we're still here. That's a great question. Who are you going to greet there? Because the Bible tells us that if we invest spiritually in people and help them to get there, that continues on with us. Daniel, the Jewish prophet around 500 BC wrote this. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Which brings up a question, how will we appear to each other? Because it seems like people appear differently to different people. Some people report that other people appeared ageless. Some say, well, most people appeared to be 28 to 30 years old. Some saw their grandparents as they last saw them in their older age and yet somehow perfect, while others saw grandparents who appeared much younger. So how will we look to each other? Well, I think the risen Jesus gave us a clue. Because remember, Jesus could be recognized fully by his disciples, but there was another time when he was walking with some of his disciples on a road to Emmaus after he had risen, and they didn't recognize him for a long time, not until he broke bread in front of them. So apparently he could appear differently in different circumstances. And I think in the life to come, we can too, which kind of makes sense. Because on earth, we don't always appear the same to each other. Sometimes we may be a bit heavier, sometimes lighter. We don't always wear the same clothes here on earth either. See, in the same way, we won't appear the same or necessarily wear the same things in heaven. In fact, Marv Vesterman, a bank president, during his near-death experience, he said he was wearing golf slacks in his favorite shirt that he played golf in. And he noticed others of different nationalities, right? some, some in African togas, some in India saris, which are the dresses of their culture. Now, Dr. Mary Neal talked about her welcoming committee bursting with love, but the love was light coming out of them and they were wearing white robes, she said. Well, many people talk about these white robes. That's also in the Bible. In Revelation chapter seven, verse nine, 
John says, there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes. Now people don't always see other people in these robes. And and it could be that they're not actually white. They could be translucent, but they appear white because they let the light of God, the glory of God, the love and joy of God shine through them to those people around them. And what if the more we invest spiritually in people in this life and lead them to follow God, right? What if the more we build up people here, the more glory, light, love, and joy of God we will get to express to others there. I mean, imagine, could there be any greater reward than experiencing the joy and love of the creator flowing through you to others? Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 13, verse 43. He said, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. You know, NDEers say that different people appeared with different brilliances, but none as brilliant as Jesus. And that makes sense too, because in Romans 8, 17, it says, but if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Jesus loved us sacrificially. And you know what? If the amount we're willing to go through suffering and sacrifice for the sake of others in this life determines how much of the glory of God we get to experience on the other side, the question becomes, how much will you sacrificially love and serve and invest in people? Here on earth? It's a big question. When you lead others, when you teach others, when you encourage others in love to grow closer to Jesus, there is great reward. So moms, as you're investing in your kid's dad, as you're investing in your kids, that matters, right? It carries on for all eternity. Those of you who are leading small groups, those of you who are spiritually investing in others, those of you who teach children or youth, all of that matters for eternity. And those things may require sacrifice, sometimes suffering, but it matters. It all matters. In fact, look at what Peter, one of Jesus' disciples says in 1 Peter 5, 2. Care for the flock, okay, that's people, that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never ending glory and honor. People last forever. So invest in them. Now, all of this may bring up a kind of troubling question about relationships in the life to come. A lot of married couples sometimes carry a twinge of sadness about heaven because they say, but we're not going to be married there. And that makes some couples kind of sad. Others might be rejoicing, but that's another issue altogether. I'm not getting into that because my counseling plate would get full really fast. But but some people are sad because of this concept of no marriage in in the life to come. Well, this whole discussion of marriage in heaven, it comes from a time when Jesus was asked a trick question by some religious leaders called the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees didn't even believe in the afterlife. So it was a loaded question they asked Jesus. They came to Jesus one day, said, hey, Jesus, let's say there's a woman who's married and her husband dies. And then she remarries, but the second husband also dies. And this happens seven times. 
Okay, who's she going to be married to in heaven, Jesus? Basically, they're trying to trap him. And that's where this whole discussion comes from. And some of you may be asking the same question. I know, because all your exes may live in Texas. But you're just not sure you want them to live next door to you in heaven, right? Be honest, okay? Well, Jesus answers this question. It says, Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. In other words, he's saying the power of God can unite people in ways that all of our relational squabbles and challenges in this life, through God's love and power, we can overcome them there in heaven. And by the way, we can overcome them here if we let his love rule and unite us. But Jesus goes on to say, at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now notice something. Jesus did not say you will not be married. He said you won't marry. In other words, up there, you won't choose to marry or be given away in marriage. Keep in mind, there were arranged marriages back then in Jesus's day. So there won't be any new individual marriages and there will be no procreation because we'll be like the angels in heaven eternal. So there will be no new families, but that doesn't mean we won't be with the people we love the most. And I don't know about you, but that is so comforting to me. I'm gonna be with those I love the most here on earth. And in fact, many NDEers saw their grandparents and they were together in heaven or their parents and they were together. Now, how does God work out multiple healthy, loving marriages on the other side? I have no idea. Except bathed in God's love. What people say is nothing's wrong. Everything works. And, and just think about it. Relationships will be so different. Nothing will be hidden. Communication will be perfect. So imagine how that will change our relational dynamics. And then think about how we can bring more of that relating to earth today. You know, NDEers say that communication is perfect. It's heart to heart, full understanding. I think it's what God said to the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 65, 24. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. It's this perfect heart to heart communication. Crystal McVeigh describes the communication of heaven like this. There was instant and complete communication between us. What do I mean by that? Well, imagine a password that if you let me use it, it gives me instant access to everything you've ever said, thought, or felt, past, present, or future. Instantly, I'd have a more complete understanding of you than would ever be possible on earth. Well, that's what it was like there. And just imagine that kind of communication, perfect communication, with nothing hidden, understanding each other fully. Now that's how we ought to try to live today. That's what it means to bring more of heaven to earth today. Just as Jesus prayed in the Lord's prayer, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we today can allow God's love, God's forgiveness, God's grace to let us be more transparent and open with one another, just think about the unity we can have together. For example, if I understand more of your history, if I understand more of what you've been through, more of your motives, if I seek to understand more of you rather than just have more of me understood, and if I listen more to you rather than just have me heard, 
Just think about the oneness we could experience. That's what they experience in heaven. It's what Jesus prayed for on his last night here on earth. Jesus said, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. As we bring more of heaven's communication to earth by seeking to listen to and understand others more than trying to be heard and understood, we will fulfill the Lord's prayer. So heaven is going to be this incredible reunion, seeing the people that we have loved here on earth. But even more, imagine meeting the ancestors you never knew, right? Your ancestors, a lady by the name of Christy Bean. Okay, she was the subject of a movie called Miracles from Heaven. She's played by Jennifer Garner in that movie. And Christy is Annabelle's mom. Well, Annabelle had a near-death experience. And I want you to listen to what Christy says about who Annabelle met in heaven. When Annabelle was about four years old, she started having what we call tummy troubles. And when she was five, she fully obstructed abdominally and had, we almost lost her. She had a major surgery, many, many doctor's appointments, ERs, procedures, tests, for them to find out that she had an incurable digestive disorder called pseudo-obstruction motility disorder. So Annabelle lived on 10 medications a day, and she took them several times throughout the day. She, in and out of hospitals, we used to fly to Boston to see the guru of pediatric gastroenterology specialty in Boston, Dr. Samuel Nurko, um, every four to six weeks for treatments. And then the other times we were at home, she was on the sofa in a fetal position with a heating pad on her stomach. That was her life. And she had decided that she didn't want to live anymore. She was nine years old, it was 2011. And she had said, you know, mommy, I just want to die. And you know, where there's no more pain. And so I just remember saying to her, Annabelle, I was devastated because she's a fighter. She never ever um, stopped fighting. And then she was done. And and that particular day, Abby, the oldest, my oldest daughter, encouraged her to go out and play, which was a miracle that she did because she was just so weak and frail, but they did. Um, and so they were in this cottonwood tree, um, sitting on a branch 30 feet in the air, and that branch began to give way. And Abby, in her quick wit and thinking and brilliance, she said, Anna, get your weight off the tree and go in that little hole where a branch had been, but it had fallen and left a hole. And it was hollow all the way to the ground. And so Anna went in the hole and fell 30 feet head first. And she said she um, went to heaven. And she said that she sat on Jesus' lap and that um, he told her that well, she wanted to stay because it was so peaceful and there was no pain. And that was it, she was out of pain. And um, he told her that it wasn't her time, that she had to go back, but he had plans for her on earth that she could not fulfill in heaven. And that when the firefighters got her out, there would be nothing wrong with her. She said, I knew I was in heaven because I saw my Mimi, and that is my husband, Kevin, his father's mother, so her great-grandmother. But she said she didn't recognize her at first because she was so much younger. Mm. And then when, it, when she realized that's Mimi, and she's so much younger, she said, I knew I must be in heaven. She saw a little girl, and she said, I kept looking at that little girl because her face looked and reminded me just of you, Mommy, and of Abby, her big sister, one of her sisters, but her big sister. And she said, I kept thinking, I know that face. And so she said she asked God, who is that little girl? And he said, Annabelle, that's your sister. 
That was what confirmed in my heart for me, okay, this is so very real because I had shared with the girls that I had had two miscarriages, um, but I never shared with them that one of them was an actual viable pregnancy that I lost. And one of them was a, called a blighted ovum that never truly was life created. Mm -hmm. But she didn't know that. She just knew that I'd had two miscarriages. And the fact that she saw one little girl in heaven was totally amazing to me. Today, Annabelle is on zero medications, zero. She's been released from the care of her pediatric gastroenterology specialist. Um, and she's she eats whatever she wants, whenever she wants. There is no known cure. They have never had anybody have pseudo-obstruction. It be confirmed with more than one motility test and then be cured of it, except for Annabelle. You know, Annabelle is one more line of evidence that God is real. But she also reveals that relationships last. She met her miscarried sister that she had never met here on earth. That's what convinced Christy that this was all real, that this really happened. And you know, many of you, I'm sure, have had miscarriages. And you've grieved the loss of children. And I want you to know two things. First, God grieves with you over the loss of your child here on earth. And second, that is not the end of the story. Your child will be in heaven waiting for you. You know, David, who wrote many of the Psalms in the Bible, lost a child who was still an infant. And David grieved for that child for a period of time. But then he said this in 2 Samuel 12, 23. Can I bring him back again? No, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. And you know, if you have lost a child, if you've had a miscarriage, you will go to that child. There will be a great reunion. You know, Megan who had the near-death experience at six years old, actually had a second one when she was miscarrying. She was bleeding profusely and she began to leave her body again. But listen to the message she got that maybe some of you need to hear as well. Uh, from that time on, I was just bleeding profusely and uh, it was very painful as well. And I was trying to lie down and rest. And one of the times I was lying down, I had the, the sense, the soul of the baby leaving me. And um, I just started to follow. I, I, I guess I left my body and I just started to follow the baby. And the baby turned to me and said, yeah, I love you so much. You did nothing wrong, but you can't come with me. You know, and they, he, he left. When the, the spirit of the baby left me, I, I just, I, I saw a male spirit. I knew his name was Michael, and he just talked to me and said, you know, don't worry, don't worry this, you know, I love you and you did everything right. And one day it will. It'll all be made right. All the relational losses, all the relational mistakes, all the relational misses, God promises it'll all come together in perfect love, perfect communication, perfect unity. Relationship the way it was meant to be. But you know, we can bring more of heaven to earth today. We can fulfill Jesus's prayer. Father, your will be done on earth through me as it is in heaven. And how can we do that? Well, first and foremost, make a commitment to invest in relationships. Make your life more about people than tasks, more about relationships than accomplishments. Relationships matter. And when it's all said and done, the only thing that will last from this earth 
are the souls of the men and women around us. So build up and build into other people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the best way to do that is to help those who don't know Jesus find Jesus. I mean, look for opportunities to encourage others on their spiritual journey because only those who have received God's love and forgiveness through faith in his son Jesus will be in heaven for all eternity. And we don't want anyone we love to miss that. So share your spiritual story with them. Share God's story with them. The story of his great love for them expressed through Jesus. Another way to bring more of heaven here to earth is to make things right in broken relationships. People, if there's a relationship and God's spirit has been prompting you that you've done something wrong, just own it and apologize. It's not worth it to hold on to it. Forgive whatever they've done to you. Forgive as God forgives you. You know, forgiveness is the way that we can be set free and not be held hostage to the past and what people have done to us. Folks, the bottom line is this. People last. People are eternal. And people matter to God. So invest in them. Relationships were meant to last. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, my prayer is very simple. That we would acknowledge that the greatest of all the commandments is to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. God, for those we know who don't have a relationship with you, I pray that we would love them by guiding them toward that relationship, by sharing with them the good news of Jesus, that you love them, that you have died for them, and all they have to do is put their faith in you, and they'll be saved. They'll be in heaven forever. And God, when it comes to our other relationships, I pray that we would practice open and honest communication, that we would practice forgiveness. Lord, that we would invest in others, that we would build them up, strengthen them, encourage them, and lead them closer to you. Because relationships, above all else, matter. They matter supremely to you, and they should matter supremely to us. Because when it's all said and done, that's what we carry out of this world. The souls of men and women are what lasts for eternity. So would you help each of us to make it a priority to invest in other people, to make it more of a priority than accomplishing tasks and just achievements in our life. God, would you help us to look around and look for opportunities to love others and just steer others closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.